Welcome to Inside Clips of Football with Devon Kirkland. I'm Will Vandervoort. Spring practice is in full swing as the Tigers reach the halfway point. There's a lot of news to get to. Me and Levon will give our thoughts on the Darian Kendrick situation as Clemson now finds itself down another cornerback. Justin Ross will be the Tigers' new slot receiver. What does that mean for opposing defenses? Has Clemson's coaching staff identified a new starter at center? And we will discuss which of the 12 early enrollees are standing out in practice. But before we do all of that, football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL seasons are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, their 24-hour online casino as well. So head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. All right, welcome into uh, our podcast here, uh, Inside Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland. Now we bring in the guy, the myth, the legend, um, who I hope future Hall of Famer, LeVon Kirkland. Maybe LeVon, right? Let's hope, right? Let's let's get you in there, buddy. You know, how about you? You know, you know what, Will you, are, Will, you are a great PR guy. I, I wish I had you when I was playing in the NFL. It would have been helpful for me. I, I'm not really worried about going to the Hall of Fame. I'm really more so want to make sure that I'm serving God and whatever his purpose is for me during my my remaining years, that I fulfill those. I know what I did on the football field. I'm really proud from coming from a small town and doing something that nobody did as far as that small town, now we had five guys to go into the NFL. Mm-hmm. So as I look at my career, I'm proud of it. And hopefully what I can do is help others uh, become better, <clears throat> become wiser, and have the tools they need to have as they're growing up. So being in the Hall of Fame, although everybody wish they're in the Hall of Fame. I kind of fulfilled my dream by going to the NFL and playing as well as I did and being able to play at Clemson University, coming from basically a 2A high school that's 1A now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm at peace with it. Yeah, I've always wanted – because I've had some friends of mine that played um, – you know, that played Major League Baseball, um, Preston Wilson for one. Um, he was a teammate of mine and, you know, he went on to play and be in an all-star game and, you know, did all those things we dream about as kids. Right. And you did the same. And it's so cool when I go into, um, you know, I go into Bamberg, I see, you know, home of Mookie and Preston Wilson. Um, and then of course, home of Daquan Bowers now and Ricky mm-hmm. Sapp and uh, a couple. So, you know, we, they've kind of followed Mookie and Preston and kind of like, you know, had a lot of success too. So what's that like for you when you go in, when you go back home, and you see that sign, and being the guy, you were the first one. You were the Mookie Wilson of your town. What's that like for you, you know, when you see your name up there? What, what What's going through your mind? <laughs> Believe it or not, my name is not up there. When it really? says, 
when it says welcome, you know, hometown of so-and-so. <clears throat> in Lamar, they have David Beasley, who is a former governor uh-huh. of South Carolina. That's their favorite son. What in so the world? I, Come on, Lamar. <laughs> Football. NFL is better than governor. Come on. <laughs> you, you know what, man? Uh, <laughs> it's a funny story. When I was, uh, when my wife was alive, she asked me a question one time, like, hey, did they ever retire your jersey at Lamar? And I said, no, they never retired my jersey. And she kind of did a triple take. And she was like, they never retire your jersey at Lamar High School? I said, no, they haven't. And I, I already retired. It's like maybe two years retired. Mm-hmm. And she said, wait, I my jersey is retired at my high school. And I didn't do nearly what you've done. She didn't say anything else. The next week she comes back and said, oh, yeah, they're going to retire your number. <laughs> <laughs> At Lamar, <laughs> and after that, they started retiring people's numbers, you know. But at first, no, my number wasn't retired. Just like my name is not on. Welcome to the home of Levon Kirkland, John Abraham, uh, Mike Hamlin, B.J. Goodson, <laughs> Marshall, uh, Marshall McFadden. None of those names are on on Lamar and. It's a shame because it really should be. Absolutely. I mean, it's like Nikki Haley is from Bamberg. I, I went to school with Nikki as well and um, f- former governor and her name's up there, like, you know, as it should be, but so is everybody else's little, little disappointed. Come on, Lamar, you got to step it up, step up your game. I hope you're listening because your proud son's over here and I'm, he's not going to say anything, but I'm saying something. You need to get his name up there. Um, right. You know, you mentioned the, 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 the retired Jersey. I don't know what it is with high schools not retiring their jerseys. So I, when I moved to Bam, uh, excuse me, Seneca and I started covering Clemson and I got to know uh, Benny Cunningham and I started, I started going, I was covering the high school games too. And I noticed like at basketball, they had the blossom game jerseys retired. They're very popular right. people here in, in Seneca area. And I noticed over at other schools, names were retired. So I never saw Benny Cunningham. Here's a guy who, Won two Super Bowls, Clemson's first two-time first-team All-American in history. I mean, all the stuff he did, and he was a proud son, came back to the, his hometown and became a teacher and an administrator in the, in, the, in the county and all that stuff. I'm like, his mom and dad were teachers in the Seneca School District, and I'm like, what do you, what do you mean Benny Cunningham's jersey's not retired? And so uh, it took a long time and a lot of a bunch of people just kind of raising some cane about it. But eventually Benny's number got retired um, just a few years before he passed away. Thank goodness. I was glad to see that happen. Um, But yeah, it's like Benny Cunningham. I mean, come on. Right, LeVon? I mean, (laughs) Benny Cunningham. You know, I think sometimes you take for granted that those things are already happened. And like I said, it took my wife because I probably wasn't going to say anything. It took my wife to call and say, uh, what the hell's going on? <laughs> As a good wife would do, right? <laughs> and, and, and they say, you know, I'm telling you, the very next week, my number was retired. <laughs> and I, I think that, you know, a lot of times you just need a strong, you just need a strong woman 
that's going to advocate for you and say like, yeah, this needs to happen or uh, I'm going to raise a bunch of hell. <laughs> Especially a woman who has access to television stations and things of that nature. <laughs> Correct. So that's basically what my story, but yeah, I can't believe Benny, Benny Cunningham number was a retired at Seneca. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, and I'm sure it's like that everywhere. Maybe they just don't think about it at the high school level as much. But when you go and see basketball jerseys retired, that's kind of what got me going. I'm like, are you serious? So I started a Facebook page and everything, and I think it helped some. And they eventually did that, like I said, a few years ago. Um, The famous player from Seneca also who played at Georgia as a wide receiver for the Colts and Johnny Unitas. Um, What was his name? The guy in Super Bowl – remember Super Bowl three? the guy who was wide open, had his arm up. And Johnny Nitus didn't see him. I mean, not Johnny Nitus, but Morton didn't see him. And he threw mm, I don't remember. Um, oh, man, what's his name? Oh, my goodness. I know somebody out there knows. That's, that's probably listening, knows who I'm talking about. His number wasn't retired either. So they retired him on the same night. These, these two guys were both NFL legends and, you know, uh, were one of the two best at their, high, at their college, you know. Right. So it's like uh, – Finally, they got it done. So give them credit. They finally did it. It happened, like I said, yeah. a couple of years before Benny passed away. Uh, so I was glad to see that get done. Um, yeah. Let's get rolling, man, as we get to – I've got a couple of news items here, and, and we want to go ahead and start with the first one that um, I think is interesting news, and it came out last Sunday. The news broke. Um, we broke it on our website, too, at the ClemsonInsider.com. But Darion Kendrick finally – Fell out of the love shack, if you will, Levon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Dabo Sweeney uh, made it official on Monday during his session with the media after practice where he, he announced it was official and that, that Darion was no longer on the football team. I want to get your initial thoughts on that because there's a guy who he, – he's, he's a young man that's got a ton of potential, can be probably anything he wants to be in the NFL, um, and yet, you know, he kept just getting – I don't I wouldn't say – he wasn't like in trouble, like bad trouble, but like, you know, I think it was just small things. And I think they just sort of added up and he ran out of bank, if you will. Yeah. You know, that's my original thought that, you know, sometimes you can just wear out your welcome. I'm not sure what he did. So mm-hmm. I'm not judging the young man at all. I, I never try to do that. I try to make sure that I get both sides of the story because you never want to be in a situation where, your your biases make you lean one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I would like to have proof of what happened and why it happened. So that really is between Kendrick, Dabo Sweeney, and the Clemson football team. But it was shocking because as a fan, you never want to lose a good player. Nope. In, especially at a position that's a demanding position like defensive back, especially cornerback. And like you said, Kendricks has a lot of great potential. He's a really good athlete. I remember him being in Rock Hill and what he could do. But you have to understand that it's more than just being a potentially good athlete. There's a lot to go there. There's a lot to do, a lot you have to do to be considered one of the greats or a very good player especially on that NFL level, because honestly, talent is all over the place. So your work ethic, your character has to be outstanding. I'm not saying that this is a bad kid at all, because honestly, I don't know the kid. 
So I can't make that judgment. But there was a rift between the Clemson football program and Kendrick's. There was a rift there, some kind of way, some kind of how, and it didn't work out. It, it, that's the bottom line. I don't know why it didn't work out, but I know that it didn't work out. And they had to part ways. And sometimes it's like that. The Clemson system is probably not for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And sometimes as a player, man, there's some players, the one thing that makes him great may hurt him in other ways. You know, he's a he seems to be, what I see on film, I see on television, he's a brass kind of athlete. You know, he's outspoken. And sometimes that's not always great on the college level to be outspoken. Spoken mm-hmm. because the head coach is the man and whatever he says goes in a lot of way. And if you buck that some kind of way, if you go against that, then you, you might have a little issues on the college level mm-hmm. where if he goes to the right NFL team, they'll welcome it. They're going to welcome it. And if he goes to a, a, another team in college where he's basically going to be the man, they're going to let it go. They're going to be like, well, we can't afford to lose him. Mm-hmm. Clemson, in a lot of ways, can afford <clears throat> to lose him because they got other DBs who are pretty good. But, yeah, like I said before, it's shocking as a fan. You don't want to see a good player leave. But there's probably a reason why he's gone. And you wish the young man, because he's a young man, you wish him well. You hope he does well. And you know that Clemson is going to move on. So, yeah, a little shocking for me. But, you know, I've been hearing rumblings about him. And, you know, Coach Dabo want to say the <laughs> in the love shack. But, you know, after a while, man, some guys, I mean, quite frankly, you have to get rid of. I'm not saying he's that guy, but – some guys, you have to, you know, you have to count your um, losses. And I guess that was the case with um, him and the Clemson program. Yeah, you know, there were, I know not exactly what the specifics were of what caused, you know, this to happen and to finally, you know, kind of boil over. Um, but from what I was told, um, just talking to some people, was that, you know, it just kind of Coach Sweeney, when he decided, when Derek, excuse me, when Darion decided to come back in January for his senior year, you know, he, like, like he does with all his returning players, Dabo had a, had a conversation with him and, and, you know, even with him, even more so kind of set some rules and some, some boundaries and guidelines and said, okay, look, we've had this, this, and this happen in the past. You're at a point where because of the team as a whole, you know, I got to look at the entire team, not just one player you know, you're sitting here and I need you to do these things. You're a senior now. You're a guy somebody's going to look up to. And I need you to follow these rules that we set forth, no matter how small or big they are, right? And he was um, unable to do that. And, um, you know, that kind of – I kind of think what's happened – what happened at the end where Dabo was just finally like, you know what? I got all these other players looking at me. They know how I set the rules. I can't continue to let, allow you to have leeway. And, and doing different, treating these other guys differently. So Dabo had to make a decision. And if you listen to Dabo's comments the other day, you know, you could tell how much love he has for Darion. I mean, he, he talked about how he wishes him well and how he, he knows he's a good kid. 
and he knows he, you know, he said he. I don't want people to get the idea that he's a bad kid because he's not. Dabo went to bat for him and really kind of, you know, was selling him like as a person and saying, you know, what happened though was we just can't do it anymore, you know. And he says, you know, they had to move on, and um, so that kind of gives you an idea because some people, when a kid gets dismissed from the team, the first thing they think of is what did he do, and they th- they go straight to the bad. Like, did did he do something bad? Did what did he do? That's not necessarily the case all the time. Simple as simple as sometimes, you know, guys just don't like going to class. They don't like doing schoolwork. It's the little things like that. And if you do that enough on a football team, you know, and you, you held to this standard, everybody is, and one guy's not doing it. The football coach has got to make a decision, right? Oh, no question about it. And I could tell you what, man, that damn old Sweeney, <clears throat> Sweeney is a spin doctor now. Mm-hmm. I, I can, he can sell almost anything. But it's just like if you have kids, right? Mm-hmm. And I think people can relate to this. As a kid, what I had to learn, and I'm taking it from my personal experience, I had a father that was was strict, but he was fair. And I remember going into my ninth grade year after football season, my grades were not what they're supposed to be, according to his standard. Mm-hmm. Now, At a small school, I was going to play basketball, run track that year. (laughs) My father was my first compliance officer. And he was like, no way. Uh Uh-uh. I had to really, after I I kind of said, okay, it's my responsibility to get my grades, I had to earn gold points with Mm -hmm. my father. Mm -hmm. Gold points. Gold points. And once I learned if I can continue to earn gold points and do everything that I'm supposed to do, then if I say, hey, dad, I want to go to the movies, then he's going to be like, he'll look back and he said, okay. In his mind, he's probably like, he's been doing this. He's been on point. Okay, son, you can go to the movies. It's the same in college football. It's the same between the relationship between the head coach and a player. You can either earn points or your points can be deducted. Mm-hmm. And if your points are to a if your points are to a level that is very low, you have a very short leech. You just do. Now, if you're another player and you earn a lot of points and you slip up once, coach is gonna be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be okay. You know, okay, all my kids do bad things or they do something, but some kids, they have enough um, goal points where, you know, they're going to be let off the hook a lot of times. And then some of the other ones, they don't have that kind of goal points and they are right on the edge. And you can't let it happen. You know, you just can't let them go too far over because you're right. Other guys on the team will see that and they will be like, if he pushes the envelope, then I can push the envelope. Exactly. And so in a lot of ways, nah, Dabo's not going to like, oh, he's a terrible kid. Even though in his mind, he's like, boy, (laughs) he's getting on my nerves. You know, like you have kids that you love and sometimes you don't like them as much. So that's probably what happened. He didn't have enough points, and he just wasn't going to listen. So you're like, okay, well, 
for the sake of everybody, and especially this college football program, I have to let you go. Yeah, your story of your dad reminds me the same with my mom because my brother um, was a outstanding track athlete and um, a state champion, uh, 1600. And, you know, he's a marathon runner now and, you know, very competitive and very good at it. And uh, so growing up as a kid, <clears throat> my, uh, my brother, though, as good of an athlete as he was, and still is, he wasn't very good in the books, right? And so, right. <laughs> so and, and not that he didn't try, he just couldn't get it. I mean, it's just some guys can't get it and some guys can. The schoolwork came easy for me. You know, I could just go to, I could basically just show up and make a B without mm -hmm. even trying. Um, not bragging, it's just the way it was. It was just easier for me than it was for my brother. So, but my mom had rules. And so since Eric was older, she came along, he came along first. So mom set the rules, but Eric, he's like, look, you, if you don't make at least a B, you're not playing sports, you know? So my brother, like, he busted his butt, right, and made his Bs. So here I come along, and I'm doing my thing. <laughs> and so, you know, I kind of got lazy one semester, and I didn't think nothing of it because I never thought the rules applied to me because I was a straight-A student for the most part and everything. I thought, like you said, you know, I had the bank, and I had, I had the bank rolled up. I was good, right? That's what I thought. Right. So I come back in uh, my – uh, I think I was in eighth grade and I had a uh, I was starting point guard on the basketball team. Um, and um, I ended up getting a, a C there uh, right at Christmas time when the, when the mid year reports came out and I got a C in one of my classes. I can't remember what it was. And uh, I remember my mom getting it and she says, well, when you go to school next week, I want you to go in there and go see coach Davis. And um, you let him know that you will no longer be playing basketball this year. Mm. LaVon, you want to know whose heart dropped? I'm like, Mom, oh, yeah. what are you talking about? I mean, you know, what What do you mean I can't play basketball? She says, you know the rules. If you don't make at least a B, you can't play sports. I'm like, Mom, you can't do that. She's like, no, I had this standard for your brother. I can't give you a separate standard. She's like, right. you, you live by the same rules he does. And I was so mad. Um, and I remember how <laughs> – Coach Davis is like, well, can I talk to your mom and just get her to change her mind? I was like, no, Coach, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> so I ended up having to sit out that whole second half of the season. You know what's so funny about that? My father worked at the school. He was um, a custodian at uh -huh. the school. My coaches came to my house and wanted to talk him out of it. <laughs> and, he, you know, it's a small school, so he knows the coaches very well. And my dad was like, he basically told him he'll never play sports again if his grades are not where they're supposed to be. They kind of looked at, they kind of looked at my dad, they looked at me, and they're basically like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad did not budge. Yeah, he did my, not budge. My mom didn't not either. Budge. He did not budge at all, but it was really helpful for me. Absolutely. Because I kind of I, I realized that this was on me. It wasn't on him. It wasn't his fault. It was my fault. Mm -hmm. And I had to really get my grades, man. I had to really bump them down and get them. And it worked out for me. Yeah. It, it, well, um, it did. It worked out, it worked for, both out of us. for me. Yeah. But <laughs> you got to understand that that doesn't always work out for every kid. No, it does. Everybody. So, yeah, it, it's more than just being a good athlete and having potential. It, it, it is. It, it, it's more than that. You got you to gotta put the work in. Amen. And maybe we need to, and maybe we need to call it more. Maybe we need to call it something else besides work, 
but you have to put the effort in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I did that, and it worked out for me. And I'm not saying that this kid is not a worker. I'm not saying that. Right. But you, you people don't think they have to follow the rules. Kind of have to follow the rules. You do. That's why the Even, rules are put in place. And um, you kind of have to do it. If you you know, you just have to do it. And the reason why it, it would be good for him because when a scout comes in, they're gonna they're gonna ask about character, work ethic, things of that nature before they ask about your athletic ability because they could plainly see that. Mm-hmm. And if you ever watch this kid play football, he's a versatile athlete who can do it all. And when he moved to defensive back, I was like, yes, because I knew how talented he was. And he could make that, he could make that transition from wide receiver to DB and play very well. And he has played very well. So his athletic ability is going to give him a shot. I'm telling you, it's going to give him a shot. Even if he was to say, I'm going to the NFL, that dude's going to get a shot to play in the NFL. There's no question about it. But I, I hope I wish him well. I really do. Yeah, same here. I, I do. Uh, D- Darion was always good to us when he talked to him. Always got a smile on his face. That's the kind of young man he is. He is a good young man. And he'll, he'll do okay. I think this will be something that he'll learn from. He's, uh, on his Instagram post, he talked about how it was all on him. Like, he didn't blame Clemson or Coach Sweeney or nobody. He talked about how it was him and that uh, he's going to rise above this. It's going to make him better. And, you know, I wish him all the best, as I know you do, and we, we hope to see him, you know, playing at the next level. And, of course, as everybody here will tell you he's a Clemson Tiger. No matter where he goes, they'll always know him as a Clemson Tiger, a guy that helped him win a national championship. And so uh, we wish him all the best. But speaking of crazy athletes, right, guys that can do anything? Yes, Justin Ross, right? Mm-hmm. A crazy athlete. So this week, Dabo Sweeney <clears throat> was asked, well, Dabo Sweeney comes out and announces, yeah, we're moving Justin Ross to the slot position. And, of course, that led to a bunch of questions after that. And Coach Sweeney used a guy, you may remember this name, um, from the early 2000s. He says, and he coached him when he was just the wide receivers coach at Clemson. You remember the name Derek Hamilton? Yeah, exactly. Um, and he, he, he described – Justin Ross as like a Derek Hamilton and said, Hey, look, he, he's six, five, just like Derek Hamilton was. He's got this, you know, he's a little bit bigger physically than Hamilton was, but he's got this ability to quickly change direction. And you put that guy in the slot with his size and what kind of mismatches he can create. It's sort of a no brainer. Like why haven't they done this before kind of thing, LeVon? But I think the reason what happened, what sprung this idea for Dabo and Tony Elliott is watching Alabama this past year with Smith. Right. Uh, that's how Smith, they lined him in the slot. They lined him in the boundary. They lined him up, you know, in the field side. And he, we saw what he did. You know, everybody in the country won a Heisman Trophy. Um, I'm not saying Justin Ross is going to win the Heisman Trophy, but this, when you add him in the slot and then you got Joseph Ningata in the boundary, you got EJ Williams or Frank Ladson in the field. What are you going to do if you're a defense? Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be really a tough assignment for a defensive coordinator. What you do, you know, because if you put him in a slot and you don't put your de- best DB on him, there's going to be some problems. <laughs> it's going to be some issues. 
and you're talking about a kid that's going to be now in between the hash, be able to catch the ball and turn up and make plays, he's a problem. And if you if you really try to defend him really hard, then you got other guys who can make plays on the outside. But being in the slot, which means you're closer to the ball, that is going to be your quarterback's best friend to throw Justin Ross the ball in the slot where he's doing an option route or he's doing a mess route or he's doing anything that was in that little area there. Yeah, he's going to be a problem. You're not going to match him up with a linebacker or a safety. <laughs> you're not going to want you, to anyway. Because <laughs> if you do that, you're going to be in serious trouble. So he's going to present a problem at that position. And now that gets other defensive coordinators thinking as they go through their game plan throughout the week, what do we do with Ross being in the slot? Now he's outside. There's some things you could do and say, okay, we'll push him to the, we'll push him to the sideline. You know, we, you know, we'll put somebody over the top. You put him in a slot. Now, it's usually something that's really different from defenses, especially when you're talking about a special athlete who can get the ball. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, – I, I think it could be good for him. And, again, also, you're also giving that kid an incentive and a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're telling him, hey, if you can get, you know, if you can get the ball between the hashes, we can imagine what you can do. So it's a good move. It really is. And that kid is big enough. He's athletic enough. He has the wingspan where you can throw him the ball and he can make plays after the catch. And when you so throw, that's a, it's a good move. It really is a good move. And when you throw Braden Galloway in the slot also, and when you go four wide, and now so now you got him and Braden Galloway in the slot. If you're a safety or a linebacker, you're fighting to get Braden Galloway. <laughs> because that's the yeah. guy you want to cover. No, no, no. I'm going to get 88. You you take eight. I got 88. You know, because you're like, yeah, I'm probably not going to win this matchup either, but I got a better chance. <laughs> yeah. You, you're saying that in the huddle. If I'm the linebacker, you're like, listen, man, I got the tight end. You get that slot. I'm not trying to get the slot at all. So, yeah, I can imagine that's going to really be – it's going to be a job for those defensive coordinators, especially in the ACC, to try to defend him in the slot. That is going to be a handful. I'm excited to see it, though. I really want to see it. See you know it who's out. going to win the most out of this, this decision by Clemson and who's going to benefit the most from it? Uh, DJ, probably. Well, Who? yes, definitely him. Lynn J. Dixon. Because oh, yeah. now if you're a defense, you're playing what? You're playing cover two. There's no yes. way you're not going to play cover two. That's going to open up all the running lanes in the world for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think you're going to be in trouble in cover two. Because <laughs> now you can run those safeties off, and he's going to have that middle of the field, and it's going to be trouble. He's going to go by – I mean, you can put him beyond the linebacker. Uh, I don't care if a linebacker is in great coverage with him. I mean, Justin Ross has that range where he can go get that ball. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can play cover two you want to, but cover two has weaknesses too. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's like if you're defense, you're kind of like – it really is. It puts them in a bad situation. So, it's a great move by Dabo 
in, in the staff to really kind of come up with a unique way because they know they have this unique player in Justin Ross and say, hey, let's find a way where we can create mismatch after mismatch after mismatch. And really, all three downs, they're going to have that ability to do that. And that's what's going to make Clemson exciting next year. And like you said, DJ, he's probably going to be the happiest guy to tee because he's going to be able to do like the kid at Alabama this year, Mac Jones, and just maybe throw a little flair out to the sideline. And all of a sudden, he's got he's got a 75-yard touchdown pass. Yeah. God forbid. <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't know if you play – I don't know how much man-to-man you play anymore. You know what I'm saying? I, I just don't think you – Nowadays, with offenses being so explosive, I don't know if you play a lot of man-to-man conferences anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they really, really work. I think you say, hey, we'll take our chances, let them drive down the field, and see if they can get in in the red zone. Yep. Because if you put man-to-man on Justin Ross in a slot, you're foolish. Yeah, ask Alabama what happens. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> foolish. You're, you're, you're not a very smart coach. You're yeah. not at all. You you don't really understand the game. Yep. If you put if you if anything, you double him. I don't care where he's at. You double that guy, and you just say we're gonna take a chance on everybody else. Mm-hmm. And they're loaded. Yeah, wide receiver. Yeah, and they loaded that wide receiver. They got a quarterback who can really throw it um, in those windows. You're gonna it's it's, it's gonna cost a lot of teams a lot of problems. Yeah, it's a good thing. Now, the only – you know, I, yeah, there's some issues that uh, – I don't say the issues <clears throat> at left tackle and right tackle because I like the two guys they had battling it out for the starting job at left tackle. The loser is going to be the starting right tackle. And right. so it's a really – it's a good problem to have, you know, with Jordan McFadden and, and Walker Parks trying to – so I'm not really concerned about the tackle positions on the offensive line. To me, the number one concern is at center mm-hmm. where you have – you know, a couple guys that haven't played much and a true freshman haven't played at all. Um, now, Dabo did talk about maybe moving possibility that they could move if things don't work out. They could move Bockhorst there, and he could play that position as well, move him over from left. I don't think they want to do that. That's like the last, last resort, right, LeVon? They don't want to take their all-ACC left guard and move them to center. So they're really concerned coming into the spring about those guys, Mason Trotter, Hunter Rayburn, what were they going to do? Because they're not going to put all their money on the true freshman, Ryan Linthicum, who's got all the potential in the world and has the highest ceiling probably. But, you know, you just don't – you don't want your center, your starting center to be a true freshman if you don't have to. And right. um, so they were really concerned about that going into it. Well, it's come out in this first five practices they've had. Dabo and Tony Elliott talked about it. Hunter Rayburn – has really taken the next step. He's 6'4", 320 pounds. Um, he was recruited as a center. He's a four-star guy coming out of high school. He's now in his third year in the program. Dabo said the light bulb has finally come on for him. It just mm-hmm. it seems like he's got it all together. He's, he's quicker. He's, he's, he's making quicker decisions. Um, this is a – for Clemson, this is a big deal that fans need to kind of understand. If they're able to identify a center before they get into fall camp, that's going to be a big deal for them. And as we were just talking about all these great skill players they have, none of that matters if the guys up front can't block, especially the guy who's at the center position. Yeah, no question about it. Your center, as far as the offensive line goes, is the most important position on the field because he has a ball in his hands just as much as the quarterback does. And then also he's setting up a blocking scheme for the offensive line. 
if you don't have a really good center and you get exposed, it could be a lot of trouble. It really can, especially if you're passing the ball a lot. You know, so you have to make sure that position is good. You have to make sure that at least your starting center is a solid starting center. He doesn't have to be Damani Dawson or anybody like that. But if he's really good and he can really manage the team with the quarterback, making sure they allow, you know, making sure they got the right blocking schemes. People don't really understand how important that center is. And normally that guy who's a center, honestly, is probably the, the smartest guy on your team. I would dare say that he's going to be a, a very good student. He's going to be a reliable student. He's going to be one of your top five or so guys as far as GPA is concerned. Mm-hmm. That's how smart an offensive lineman has to be, especially the center position. So, yeah, you're going to be concerned if you're a coach, always, that you have a good center that can be that general on the field. And anytime you go in and you lose a center from the previous year, it's it's a cause for concern. So I'm glad that he's got the light bulb on during spring practice. But you know the real test is going to be when, you know, the first game of the year, you know, midway through the season, late in the season. You can tell me all you want to right now how somebody's progressing, but I want to see that progression when the season starts, when the real bullets are flying. Mm-hmm. that's when you realize or recognize, okay, that was a very smart decision. But it is spring ball. It's a new, it's a, it's a new challenge for the Clemson Tigers, and you got to see what this guy is doing. And, and, you know, I could, you know, Tony Elliott and Dabo Sweeney says he's doing fine. I would like to take that as truth and not just some spin job and that the guy is going to be a pretty good center. So, you know, time is going to tell. But that center position is crucially important to a good offensive line. Yeah, and if they can get this position solidified, as, as you said at the beginning of the season, and you'll find that out, you know, to ha- if you can get Hunter Rayburn to come in and be, you know, a darn pretty darn good center, and if you have that luxury, now that's what what's that's going to allow them to do is to bring the freshman in, Ryan Linthicum, and allow him to kind of come in and get some reps in big moments of the game and get that experience and start building his confidence up and start letting him see the game and the speed of the game and try to, you know, kind of get him that experience through the course of the season and not have to throw him straight into the fire. Um, and, and that's the key thing here. So that's why, you know, if, if, if Rayburn is doing this, then they got a guy for at least two more years. If he can, if he, if he does do what they think, then they got this guy for two years that can be a starter, allow – Linthicum to kind of come along slow and then when he leaves you got Linthicum for three years and he's you know he's going to be more than experienced and ready to go you know to help them you know when Rayburn would leave so it's a it's a good deal because I know a lot of people out there are thinking you know well the freshman you know he he should come in and start and you know that's why he was the top center he needs to take the job that's not always the case it's not always that easy and you know you want to build depth and so if, if the freshman comes in and takes the job from these guys that have been there for two and three years, then Clemson's got issues at center right. because if he gets hurt, then they're going to have some problems at center. So you want you don't want the freshman to win the job right now. You really don't. 
You want the veteran player to win it because that's showing that you got some depth now. And Clemson hasn't had much depth at center the last three years. This is the third year in a row now. They've had to replace the starting center. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's something that's they don't want to keep doing. Yeah, no question about it. It's an issue. And, you know, everything you're saying, you know, it's good on paper. It's, it's theory. <laughs> you know, the, the true test is always on the field. Mm-hmm. But I, I think in your assessment, you're right that you want it to work out that way. Um, freshman offensive line, not so much defensive line, man, that's scary. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a scary position because in a lot of ways, when you talk about pass protection, you're at a disadvantage in a lot of ways because you're kind of backpedaling when you've got a guy who can absolutely run and get off the ball that's strong. That's That can be daunting. <laughs> And if you're like a, a coordinator like Venables or good coordinators that are out there, and you find a weak link on the offensive line, you're going to exploit that weak link. You're just going to. So, yeah, you hope that the guys you got now is better than that freshman five-star you got coming in. And you bring the freshman along. So hopefully it works out for the Tigers that way. But – the one thing I can say, the recruiting has been very good. The development, more importantly, has been very good at the Clemson, with the Clemson Tigers. And when you have that kind of combination, things usually work out for you. And I know last year, you know, the offensive line wasn't that great. They did okay as far as pass blocking is concerned. But I would like to see them have a more dynamic, just grind you out offensive line that can get things done. I think what they need to do is go back to the 19, the late 1980s and get those guys who got mullets. <laughs> <laughs> because, because with that offensive line, if all of them are wearing mullets, you know, uh, business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you ever see an offensive lineman that is wearing a mullet, that guy can run block. There's no question about it. So we might need to go back to the mullets and let those guys come off the ball and block some guys. Well, that's that's my formula. That's 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 my scheme. Linthicum doesn't have a mullet, but he definitely has a party going on in the back. So yeah. a, he's we, got some long hair back there. So now he could cut it into a mullet, Levon. Yes, he, he can. Yes. Um, actually, a couple of years ago, Cage Stewart, the, the guy who just left, uh, um, he had a mullet. Had it for like oh, three or four years. And he was one of the best run blockers on the team. So you have a very good point. Yeah. Any guy that wears a mullet uh, in college and they're the offensive line, you kind of worry about those guys because you know that guy's going to come off the ball. He's going to hit you. (laughs) Yeah, he's going to hit you. Any guy who wears a mullet is going to come off the ball and get you three or four yards a pop. (laughs) And as a linebacker, you don't like that. (laughs) As a linebacker, well, luckily I played outside (laughs) – so, you know, the Tidians did wear mullets back in the day. Yeah. But anytime I saw a guy with a mullet, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> I better yeah, buckle Keith, it up. Keith Jennings wearing a mullet just wouldn't have looked right. <laughs> it wasn't. Plus, he didn't have the, the, the grain of hair that you need to no, grow didn't. a mullet. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I think we need to go back to guys who wear mullets. That when we recruit an office alignment, we need guys who are wearing a mullet. If you're wearing a mullet, here's a scholarship, son. I'm going to pass this on to 
I'm gonna pass this on to Robbie Caldwell. I think, I think uh, it's a I think it's a solid something. It's a solid plan. Yeah, it's a solid plan. Yes. Um. Well, speaking of freshmen, we talked about Ryan Linticum there as one of the freshmen, and he's kind of been one of the guys the coaches have talked about. They really like him, and um, they've been really impressed with him through five days. Um, there's a couple other guys though that have really been showing out. Um, in particular, now if I said of the running backs that were coming in, who was the running back that was going to show out? And I said, Will Shipley or Phil Moffa, who would you say? I would have to say Shipley because that's the guy we hear, hear about. Correct. I, right, as everyone would. However, that's not been the case. Phil Moffa mm. has come in, and Tony Elliott yesterday was just bragging on this guy left and right, talking about how ready he is, how explosive he is, which they saw on film and saw in, per, saw, you know, in high school, that this guy has this explosiveness um, to him that he's a big guy now he's like six two comes in pretty big guy you know 215 pounds so he's a bigger Ooh. running back than what they've had and but he's also showed explosiveness and he said yesterday that they, they, they kind of stepped back and they had some live work coaches got off the field got out of the way and he breaks a long one and uh, just blows through the hole and boom he's gone you know that's exciting if you're a Clemson guy to hear this young guy has come in and is already, you know, kind of saying that. Now, and he mentioned, Tony mentioned, he says, not like Will Shipley's playing bad. He says, I don't want you to think that. He's like, he's going like 100 miles an hour himself. He said, but it's just really, this other kid is really standing out right now. And it's only been five days, and he said that, but still, you know, he's showing up early. And, and so he's one of the guys that are, they're really excited about. Wow. I mean, <laughs> the way you're – putting it out there and how you're describing it, man, you always, if you can get a big bat that can run and has some explosive power, I always go with the big bat mm -hmm. because those guys will wear you out. They will. So if you got a guy of that statue and that size who's explosive, trust me, the defense is like making business decisions <laughs> in the, in the second quarter. Not the, not the fourth quarter. They're making decisions in the first and second quarter. Like, yo, I don't want any parts of that man. So, hey, man, that's a good addition. It really is. I mean, I used to watch the Pony Express back in the day. Eric Dickinson. Craig, what's his, Craig, what was his name? Craig. Oh, I forgot no. his name. But he was a good running back in the NFL, too. Number 33. <laughs> oh yeah yeah those guys were phenomenal and that's when you ran the ball a lot so like i said hey the passing thing the spread offense that's great it really is but there will always be a need to have a good running game always if you can have that and you can be two-dimensional like that that means now your tight ends can come free because of the play action pass Justin Roth, if you put him in a slot, holy cow. So if you can get a guy like that to really perform and not just be a practice player, now you're cooking with some hot grease, my friend. Well, and, and you mentioned tight ends, right? And so, you know, Tony Elliott has moved over to the tight ends coach. C.J. Spiller slid in as the running backs coach. Um, so Tony's got at disposal already Braden Galloway, who we know is outstanding. He's got Davis mm -hmm. Allen, who – we know is outstanding, but Levon, they also brought in the nation's number one tight end um, in this recruiting class. And the guy's name is Jake. Uh, if I say this, Jake, I'm Paul. If I mess it up, I'm sorry. 
uh, riding stool is how I think yeah. how you say it. I think and that's how you do it. So he's the uh, number one tight end in the country. And he, Tony Elliott has already talked about how he's coming in there and is competing against these veteran guys and is making plays and is really kind of showing out a little bit. Um, and uh, they're excited about him because of what he brings because now they're probably sitting four or five deep at tight end. And if you've got another guy who you can bring in that can be just as productive as those other two in the passing game, uh, man, right. you, you, now again, we're talking about how dynamic this offense potentially can be next year. Wow, if, you, if this freshman can come in and give them another third person like that, uh, they're, they're going to really be playing with a lot of tools. Yeah, and I think that when you have gr- three really good tight ends, it works especially in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Now you can motion those guys for run blocks to get some angles on some defensive players, and then also you can put them out there in, as far as uh, throwing the ball as well. So I think when you have three good tight ends like that, it's, it's always a positive thing. And so the Tigers are really doing a great job as far as recruiting is concerned, bringing in players. And I'm, I'm going to have to tell everybody this. I, I don't know if I told everybody this, but Tony Elliott is one of the smartest offensive coordinators, one of the smartest minds in football. And I'm not just saying that because he's an offensive coordinator now. Mm-hmm. I've known Tony for quite some time before he got into coaching. And when I was working at Clemson University, it would be Tony Patrick Sapp and myself, we would gather on the sideline and we would talk ball. Mm-hmm. And he was intriguing to talk to because he, I was like, man, this guy is going to make an excellent coach. You, you just, you just saw it because he, his mind for the game and how he saw the game was incredible. And now you, you know, you, I'm for Sally, Sally and you, t- you can say like, Wow, this guy is one of the smartest guys in uh, in the uh, college ranks as far as the offensive coordinator. And if you're a Clemson fan, you better cross your fingers every offseason and hope that he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, you don't want him to go anywhere. You can understand, but that's going to be a – I mean, that's going to be some hard shoes to fill when he leaves. Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, do you remember the name Jeremiah Trotter? Oh, yeah, the Hammer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the Hammer Jr. is playing for yes. Clemson now. And uh, uh-huh. so, uh, you know, uh, hearing some good things about him, too, is one of the freshmen that are coming in. And they're really excited about him at, at on the defensive side of the ball. We'll get to talk to Brent Venables next week and uh, get an update more on him. But uh, oh, that kid's going to bring it because his dad was an absolute monster in the middle. <laughs> He wasn't as athletic, but if you run the ball between tackles or if you talk about blitzing a linebacker, his dad was incredible. So I would think that Jeremiah is going to be of the same caliber. So that's exciting. That really is. To see to see a guy in there that can, from tackle to tackle, make plays. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm looking forward to what this team could do, especially on the defensive side of it. I think this team is going to be really solid. I think they're going to have a chance to go back into the playoffs. And that's all you really want is an opportunity to go back into playoffs. And then the playoffs are the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure with that bitter taste in their mouth of Ohio State, that they would come back a little bit more focused if they ever get a chance to go back. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's kind of what they're all kind of 
doing here, and that's what uh, we're, we're doing, talking about it. And Levon's been good again. We're going to wrap this one up again, man. Another, uh, I think, another very good podcast, and I, I enjoyed it, man, and enjoyed talking ball with you and talking shop. And um, we appreciate you. Um, we're going to, I guess, jump on out of here, man. I, I'm sure you got big plans this weekend. And um, so, uh, finally, nice weather, right? Yeah, finally. The weather has been uh, pretty, pretty good this year. Uh, well, not this year, but really this, this week has been really good. And, you know, Ashley, it's my mother's birthday. Oh, well. Uh, she's, she's in heaven right now. So just wanted to wish her a happy birthday in heaven. She was a great mother. She was the mother that would watch football with me as a uh-huh. child. So we would watch a lot of games together. She was an athlete herself. I really feel that uh, when people ask me about my mother, I say I get all my linebacker personality from my mother because she was a point guard like you were. Uh-huh. And you, you know how point, point guards are usually, you know, they're the rock of the team. They're solid. They're yeah. going to get, they're going to get in somebody's face if they have to get in somebody's face. Absolutely. And, and, and usually they're the smartest guys on the basketball court. So my mom being a point guard and she actually taught my brothers how to play basketball and she just had that mentality. So quick story before we go, I used to call them every Sunday before my games when I was in the NFL. I would talk to my mother and I would always talk to my father. And he would always say stuff like, son, we're praying for you. Don't want you to get hurt, anything like that. And my mother would get back on the phone. Mm-hmm. And she would always like, so who you guys playing tonight, today? And I put out some tea. She said, knock somebody's head off of me. <laughs> so that's one of my best memories of my mother she's a great lady but more more importantly i think i get all my attitude as far as a linebacker is concerned from her so i just want to give her a, a shout out she's resting in heaven I, I know she's enjoying herself man but uh she used to love sports and that's why i think i my love of sports come from my mother so Nice. Man, great testimony there, LeVon. Great testimony, you. man. You need to, you need to, uh, we, as we get closer to Mother's Day, we'll both have our mothers because my mom was obviously very inspirational for me, too. We'll do like a Mother's Day podcast, sort of, and have oh, what yeah, our mothers meant to us. I yeah. think we need to do that this year. And, um, but man, that was great testimony, man. And, um, this is Kirkland up in heaven. Happy birthday. I, I, I'll say the same back to you. So, and everybody out there, I hope you guys have a good weekend. Um, stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you next week on Inside Country Football with Ramon Kirk.